0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports, Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports, Minnesota. What's happening, Reggie?
1: What's happening? Another fun weekend. All these game sevens, man. It was it was a lot of fun on uh, the sports the sports dial.
0: Yeah, I mean, this weekend seemed a lot quieter in Minnesota sports after investing so much time into the Wolves and Wild playoff runs this past mm-hmm. month, but still plenty to break down. We're going to talk Twins, talk some NBA playoffs, as you mentioned, plus later I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with What Does It Mean? It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk, but first, if you enjoy Superior Sports Talk, you'll also enjoy our daily show with former NFL receiver Ron Johnson. Ron offers the unique view of an athlete-turned-broadcaster and brings you high-profile guests like Braylon Edwards, Adam Thielen, and Robert Smith. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or your favorite podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right, Reggie, let's talk some of those Minnesota Twins, shall we? After getting throttled by the Astros early last week, it felt like the Twins kind of failed their first real litmus test of the season. However... They bounced back against the Guardians and win two of three, putting up 17 runs in the series and flashed their bats back again after a cold stretch. Gio Ursula stood out with a great series, hitting two home runs, making a handful of great plays defensively at third base as well. In the month of May, Jorge Polanco ranks third of the AL And OPS having a great month thus far. And Royce Lewis hit his first home run of his major league career this weekend. And wouldn't you know it, it was a grand slam Friday. Grand salami. Helping the Twins blow past the Guardians 12 to 8 Friday night. Reggie, let's get into the Twins uh, in a broader lens here in a second. But first, Mm -hmm. just your thoughts or, or notes from the series win over the Guardians over the weekend. Anything stick out for you over these last three games since we last spoke?
1: You know, they did what they had to do. Um, That was a big series win against the Guardians because the Guardians have seemed to be a team that, you know, is surging. And you really didn't think that maybe they would, you know, like um, you thought maybe this might be a little bit of a down year for them. But then, you know, coming into the series, Josh Naylor, he was on fire. He got COVID. So they didn't really have to deal with him. Um, So that was a a plus for their pursuits, but it seemed like they had the firepower to match the Guardians if Naylor was to play. And so I think what we saw was the Twins got back to doing what we saw them doing when they were going on those long win streaks earlier in the month. I think They, they were hitting, they had the pitching that was complimentary and and they put it all together and so you know we talked about it on Friday after getting you know just like whipped mm. you know what I mean <laughs> from the Astros it was just like look when they come back out and they play these series I don't think we knew what to expect from them but I think it's encouraging to see that they were able to go out when two of three from uh, the Guardians and and really kind of get back on track as they head to this series with, the, I mean, they're about to go play the A's. Like mm-hmm. th- they couldn't ask for a better, like part of the schedule after, you know, kind of getting shellacked a little bit uh, from Houston. Now you're coming back and you're playing the Guardians and you take two or three for them. And then you're playing the, the athletics who might as well be like a minor league baseball team at this <laughs> point. Cause they're just getting beat up on like, like, If they were a boxer, they're getting knocked out of the ring. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they're going through right now. And so I think the Twins are in a really good spot, and they did what they had to do, and it was encouraging to see that.
0: Yeah, Guardians got hit by the COVID bug, some injuries. Mm -hmm. You talked about Naylor specifically, and – I think we got to this point in the schedule, the soft spot, and everybody just kind of rode off the Guardians like they're nobodies, but they're a talented ball club as well, and who knows, once we get into the thick of the summer, they could certainly be contending in this mm-hmm. division with the Twins, no doubt. The Twins are now 20-15, and 15, first place in the Central, and the return of Carlos Correa seems more and more imminent by the day. Getting him back in the lineup should only improve the Twins bats that were ice cold last week, like we mentioned. Reggie, they've got another another three-game series with the A's coming up, who they swept last weekend. You just mentioned that. Then a nice little soft stretch, Kansas City, Detroit, Kansas City, Detroit. When you look at this next 20 games or so, uh, what are you hoping to see from the Twins as they try to take advantage of their schedule before they square off with some big hitters, the Yankees, Blue Jays, shortly thereafter, uh, tinker with the lineup, anything of that nature during this little stretch here?
1: I think best-case scenario is they win at least 14 or 15 of those 20. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's interesting because the Twins have a little bit of a conundrum here. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they are trying to figure out this whole deal with, you know, Byron Buxton which I know we'll get into a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and then they got these like guys that are really doing well. Carlos Correa, they, they signed him because they felt like they needed a, another veteran bat, another championship-level bat. Then you got his replacement, Royce Lewis, hitting a grand slam mm. on Friday. You got Miranda... You got Celestino, like you got these guys that are filling in quite nicely, like quite nicely. I think this will be a good chance to kind of get them some reps, get them some some time in these games and get them just more comfortable because you could be needing these guys down the stretch. Miranda, you know, like all these guys are 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 playing. And it's a luxury to be able to just, like, shift them to St. Paul and then bring them back whenever you need to. And I think what you want to see is them to continue to do what they did against, like, the Guardians. Maybe take two of three in each of those series that are coming up. I think they are good enough to do that, uh, good enough to sweep some of these teams. And so, you know, it's still professional baseball. You know, you have to respect the opponent and you have to – you know, you still got to go up there and, and win these games. But, you know, I think it's encouraging. Joe Ryan bounced back. Um, you, you got Sonny Gray. He, I mean, his stuff looked nasty the last time he started. Um, I think it's encouraging that they're playing the type of baseball that they've played uh, this after this weekend series. And so I think what you want to see is to continue to find guys, and if you're going to continue to tinker with the lineup, if you're going to continue to have you know load management or whatever with with Byron Buxton, I think you kind of found a little bit of of these recipes that can get you to success with this baseball team, and I'm excited to see how they how they kind of tinker and and how they you know really work this thing over these next 20 games or so.
0: Yeah. First and foremost, I think you just want to see this team get healthy and see mm-hmm. what your best nine guys in the lineup can do for a consistent stretch. And I I think then you can really finally start to get a feel for what this team's capable of mm-hmm. when you've got that mix of studs like Buxton and Correa mixed in with a lot of younger high-end talent like Royce Lewis and company, as you mentioned. But man, mm-hmm. they've certainly been plagued by a little injury bug here or there early on. And Getting healthy has to be priority A first and foremost, no doubt. You mentioned it. I mean, obviously, you love the excitement of bringing in a high-prize free agent like Carlos Correa. But we all knew when you spend the number one overall pick on a kid like Royce Lewis – you're going to have to find a way, yeah. somehow, some way, to get him into the lineup yeah. and get those valuable reps. I mean, you just can't put a price on these reps. These young players are starting to see some valuable playing time. So uh, it's a great problem to have, no doubt, by Rocco Baldelli, but he's got to <laughs> find a way right here in these next 18, 20 games yeah. to tinker with that lineup, kind of you know, trial and error a little bit before things get really tough. And again, you got the Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, it's a tough stretch coming up after these mm-hmm. 18 20 games use this stretch to your advantage for sure and find the best nine guys in what order that may be i don't know but give you your best chance of winning when things get tough in the thick of the summer twins start that three game series with the a's tonight chris archer on the mound in oakland so late start to that one first yeah. pitch, i don't think to like 8 40 Man. Yeah, goodness. Ooh, Archer's still
1: uh, looking for his first win, too. It's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned Archer. You mentioned Sony Gray throwing some smoke. Joe Ryan's the stud. Now that we're, you know, what, 30-plus games in, about six weeks into the MLB season, mm-hmm. a lot of talk going into the year was going to be around that starting rotation. Now that you've seen these guys for six weeks or so, everybody's got three, four starts under their belt. I'm just curious, who do you think is like their their top three guys? I mean, Joe Ryan's the easy number one. But after that, there's a grab bag, a mixed bag of different options. Who right now, let's just say the playoffs started tomorrow. Who's your one, two, and three from this Twins rotation after what we've seen so far?
1: Well, I think two unquestioned is Sonny Gray, Mm -hmm. if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: three, three—that's a tough one, man. You'd think it would um, be Paddock, right? But obviously, he's on well, the sixty. Yeah, um, Paddock. I don't think Paddock out. is going
1: to be available. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he would—he uh, would be the obvious choice. But mm-hmm. okay, you talk about Archer. You got Bundy. You got yeah. Winder. I, it's tough, man. It's I tough. think if if you're gonna if you're gonna go your third, it would be between Archer and Bundy.
0: Hmm. I like that.
1: And, look, Archer's last start was not good. Mm-mm. And so, but the, a couple of Bundy's last few starts have not been good as well. So, I think it's a toss-up. I think, you know, whoever you trust more. But if you had to, like, you know, pin me to a, a board and, and, and make me choose, maybe Bundy?
0: Yeah, it... Archer got shelled most recently, but that was against the Astros. Bundy's been pretty up and down consistently the last few starts. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, flip a coin right now. And, again, that's why you use this 18-20 game stretch, a soft point in the schedule, to figure those things out. Again, maybe a good problem to have to have some good depth, even after losing guys like Maeda and Paddock. Those are huge blows for any other team to still have guys like Archer and Bundy to throw out there on, on nights three and four in a series. is really nice to have that kind of luxury at this point. Um, and, and you
1: mentioned uh, Kenta. I- he hopes to be back this season. So it's like Is that right? If, okay. if they if they do what they need to do and get into the post what type of luxury would that Man, be get to go into to the, the postseason.
0: Yeah.
1: Get you lose paddock, but then be able to have Kentamaeda uh help you in the postseason or, you know, kind of get maybe a few starts in at the end of the regular season and maybe come come back in the postseason like that's a luxury and and when you say you know who's the top three he's going to be in that top three for me Uh,
0: rest assured again reggie and i will be here tomorrow to break down that game one of this nice little soft schedule here coming up for the twins next 18 20 games coming up we're talking game sevens and nba playoffs from the weekend plus later i'm putting reggie through the gauntlet with what does it mean but first Do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. There was seven Game 7s that took place this weekend between the NHL and NBA playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we got to see a ton of just great action, just great sports taking place. But let's start in Phoenix where there was no bigger shocker than the Mavs putting in work against the Suns, going into halftime, 30-point lead. In fact, at the midway point, it was literally the Suns 27, (laughs) Luca 27, single-handedly. Luka took over, and I think – I think for me had to have supplanted himself as the number one top dog left in the playoffs remaining better than Steph right now, better than Jimmy. Mavs cruise 123.90 stunned the Suns home crowd. Luca puts up 35 and 10. Uh, They got up early, Reggie, and the Suns just had absolutely no answer in this one. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, both held in check. Props to head coach Jason Kidd. I thought he did a great job drawing up a great game plan to limit both of them. Reggie, big shocker for sure to see this one play out the way it did, especially when we're used to seeing such you know dramatic, close down-to-the-wire finishes in Game 7 matchups.
1: And Phoenix was your team, man.
0: You Uh, you, you got to say that? Don't remember they, they were your team but you know what they they
1: were the team that I thought was going to do it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, they were 64 wins, the the yep. number 1 seed in the in the West like
0: got up 2-0 in the series. Yeah. Can, let's go chalk. Let's I really go, you know, 4-1 and get out of here.
1: Yeah. I really don't know what happened honestly. Like and then you come out in a game 7 with that type of effort. Man. I hate to bring this up when we saw the Wild come out Mm -hmm. in their game six and you're like, look, you guys have your backs against the wall and they just they just don't show up like this is kind of similar. You know, it's game seven. Like there should be no extra motivation needed. No amount of pep talks. You know what? Like if you don't realize the moment of a game seven, like there's something wrong. And you're talking about a team that was in the flipping finals last year. And you come out against Dallas. And and honestly, Dallas kind of seemed like they were playing with house money. Like, they seemed like they had nothing to lose. Luka came out and hit his first two shots. And they weren't necessarily easy shots either. He was just like, oh, okay. This might be one of those nights. But, like, you would expect Booker to come back down and give it to him. And and they were missing shots. They were taking bad shots. Uh, Now, you know, coming out, talking about maybe possible chemistry issues. Maybe Chris Paul was nursing an injury at 37 years old. He's talking about, you know, we're coming back. We're expected to come right back and be back here next year and all that. It's just like, man, look, nothing is promised in sports. Nothing is promised in the NBA. Like, you guys squandered an opportunity. You know, I think maybe they got a little too full of themselves. They, they start smelling themselves a little bit too much, you know. Like, it wasn't that long ago when you guys were in the dumpster of the league. So, like, don't act like, you you know, you've been there before so many times because you haven't. You know, you guys really have just arrived the bubble was a good you know, time for them. And then after the bubble, they've been a really good basketball team. But we're only talking about, what, the last three seasons? Right. And so I think what what is tough is you go up. Uh, they struggled a little bit against New Orleans in the last series, but got it done. And then you go up two games in this series, and maybe you think it's, it's just, you know, it's all gravy. But Jason Kidd is just like, look, I made some mistakes in my past coaching stops, but I've learned I've won a championship with the Lakers like I'm here. Like, I know what I'm doing at this point. What a masterclass of a coaching job. Jason Kidd did. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason, maybe not as a coach, but as a player, he knows what you know, as a point guard. He knows how to figure some things out and he figures some things out. And the Mavs played as good of basketball as you can expect from them over the last several games of the series, and they deserved it. They deserved to win. It was, it was just a, an all-out shellacking, and it was just kind of off-putting. It was just, like, really jarring to see that effort in a Game 7 from Phoenix.
0: On Friday, we were talking about the Vikings and how important coaching is. I mean, Mm -hmm. in all of sports over the last 5-10 years, certainly you mentioned a master class. Jason Kidd, just an X factor, a wild card. You don't think about, we always analyze all the players, the X's and O's, the matchup on the court, but... Jason Kidd, man, he outcoached the Phoenix Suns there. And uh, certainly the best team. You always want the best team to win. The best team won last night. Mm -hmm. Suns' second straight year losing a series. They were up 2-0 in. And now they're just the second team ever to win 64 regular season games, most in the NBA and not make it to the chip. The only other team was actually, in fact, the Dallas Mavericks in 2007. Yikes. Yikes. I don't know what happened to the Phoenix Suns. I'm not sure it was so much the Phoenix Suns. More so it was Luka. I think the Luka effect right now, man. I mean, he is playing on another level. He's just yeah. overwhelmingly the best player in the NBA playoffs right now. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see him match up against the Warriors with Steph Curry, Draymond
1: Green, oh, and a
0: healthy Klay Thompson finally. Yes. We'll get into that during this week for sure. They square up Wednesday versus the Golden State Warriors. going to be just a great series. The other game seven that took place in Boston, where the mm-hmm. Celtics had their backs up against the wall – They were down 3-2 in the series. They go on to win two in a row, Meet Giannis and the Bucs 109-81, thanks to an NBA record-setting 22 three-pointers. Grant Williams scored a career-high 27 points. Jason Tatum adds 23 of his own. They outscored the Bucs 61-38 in the second half, Reggie. The Celtics are the hottest team in the NBA. Remember, they were sitting in ninth. Place in the Eastern Conference back on February first. Wow. Uh, what do you like from the Celtics last night in the series? How they came back, and I guess how scared should the Miami Heat be playing a team with just so much momentum right now?
1: Hey, they should be really scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think um, playoff Jimmy is is a different dude, yeah. and the Heat play like a team who's been there before. You know, it's funny you you talk about. The Suns. I feel like the Heat are kind of like the anti-Suns, mm. and they have a coach with championship pedigree. He coached LeBron and D Wade, and you know he's won rings, several rings, as a head coach. And Eric Spoelstra, I think he's one of the best head coaches in the NBA. And you know it, it's going to be tough. I, I can see that next series going seven as well. Um, Boston, Boston is is playing good right now. And what a job from Coach Udoka uh, really just, like, locking in. I think he made a comment, like, you know, they were saying how, you know, he went, they went down, the Celtics went down and all that. And he was just like, yeah, it's going to make for a great comeback when we win this series. <laughs> and they went and did it. And I think, you know, you're talking about Luka being, like, the best guy in the playoffs right now. I think you have to put Jason Tatum right up there with him. And if Luca's 1A, Jason's 1B. And I I just think he is, like, turning into a legitimate bona fide superstar in front of our very eyes. I think he was, he's been a star, but, like, the dude just kind of seems to have just, like, no conscience out there. He's just out there, like, balling. And – the compliment of Jalen Brown, like this team is dangerous, and if Al Horford is gonna play like he's playing, uh, the this last series, like turning back the the hands of time, and, and and dominating like that, like I think I think the the Celtics have what it takes to to get it done. But that that Heat team is is solid top to bottom, and they got a lot of depth as well, and so I think that that has the 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 makings of a of a signature classic of a series that that probably goes seven as well
0: you brought it up so i'll own it at the beginning of the playoffs we had our predictions i went chalk in the west with the suns Mm -hmm. and if you remember i picked the nets as my final team right here on this show and my reasoning was well if they can beat the celtics they'll just have so much confidence and momentum they'll be able to Mm -hmm. beat anybody well the celtics win that they beat KD, and then they go beat Giannis and the Bucks, and now they're the team no one should want to face with all the momentum on their side. Number one defense in the league. You know, Miami Heat have a top five defense as well, but they're scoring from time to time. Leaves you wanting a little more, especially that half-court offense. Uh, yeah. Sputter a little bit at times. So that's just going to be a great series again. They'll square off with the Heat in game one Thursday night. Let's hit the reset button. Quick NBA finals predictions now, Reggie. Final four teams left. Who do you like?
1: Uh I'll go Warriors just because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been there before. And
0: it's tough. Whew. I don't know what I would love to. I should have pulled up the Vegas odds. I mean, I'm assuming the Miami Heat are favored just by a hair. I um, mean, they've
1: been there. they yeah, you know they've they, been there. They were the but, bubble, the bubble yeah. finals team. Uh, but you know what? The Celtics are playing so good right now. I'm going to go Warriors. I'm going to go Celtics. I like that.
0: I got to take the Celtics again because of the same reason I I had the Nets. I think they've just beaten so much great talent, KD, Giannis. Now I think they feel like they can beat anybody, man. They're playing with house money more or less. Nothing to lose. Miami Heat have all the pressure in the West. So I'm going with the number one player in the league and the coaching with Jason Kidd paired up. Luka, Jason Kidd. It'd be a huge upset, man, but I think they could do it. Mavs, Celtics. Oui. That's my prediction. Man. Also, to... I
1: will I will say too, um, how about Giannis, man? Like oh. that was that was an incredible postseason performance from him. He left it all out there. He gave okay. it his very all. And nothing but respect to him, nothing but respect to the Bucks. Like they had that championship pedigree, you know, going up three games to two. And, and putting themselves in position to win that series without Chris Middleton. But then you saw in that game seven, like, they needed Chris. Like, Giannis tried to do as much as he could, but, like, he needed his Robin. Mm-hmm. And, and Middleton being hurt, you know, you hate injuries, man, because you would love to have seen these two these two teams duke it out at full strength. And what ended up happening is, is just – the Celtics had much more firepower when it came down to it in game seven than the Bucs did. But I am sure that we're going to see the Bucks back in that same position mm. next year challenging for another championship because, like, they have it. And Giannis has arrived. Like, no question about it. He's arrived. He's one of the best players on the planet if not the best player on the planet. Mm -hmm. He's got it all together. And I think, you know, it was tough to see that injuries kind of derailed what could have been another, like, repeat-type championship performance from them. But I I think we'll see him again next year.
0: So often you see you get to the playoffs. These teams have to just scratch and claw and just – battle night in and night out during the end of the regular season to get into the playoffs Mm -hmm. that injuries end up playing such a huge factor in all of sports in in come playoff time. And that's why the teams with the best depth and, and best coaching, like we talked about, ends up finding a way to kind of sneak their way through and yeah. get towards the end, whether it's conference championship or the actual finals. Uh, certainly would have been great to see the Bucks and Giannis again with the full roster. You wish it was Madden. You could just turn off the injuries for a little bit oh, yeah. right during the playoffs, but it just doesn't work like that. All right. The time has come. My favorite segment is here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? Reggie, Are You Ready? let's do it so first up the minnesota twins came out recently and stated the new goal and plan moving forward for byron buxton is to have him healthy for quote 100 games or so, All right. saying if they can keep him healthy and fresh, he can be one of the best players in the entire Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for Buxton and the Twins front office next offseason when trying to come to a, a long-term extension, knowing you're paying top dollar for a guy that's playing less than two-thirds of the schedule play at best? And just side note, what does it mean for the fans' frustration saying, wait a minute, you're playing? is to really just lower the bar for Buxton. A lot of different topics swirling around Byron Buxton and the Twins' latest game plan to kind of slow him down a little bit.
1: It's load management. It's like uh it's like Kawhi Leonard, uh, Tim Duncan, you know, uh, the Spurs and Greg Popovich, you know, uh you you sit them in in the second of a back-to-back, you know, you you sit them, you know, it's it's all about preservation with Buck because like you see that sometimes he just can't help himself. Did you see that play uh, yesterday when he was trying to uh, make a play in the outfield and he goes like yes leg first into yep. the and it was just like <gasps> ah. like you're, you're clutching your pearls because you're it. just like oh my yep. gosh like did he just hurt himself and and luckily like he was okay and he was able to just stay in the game and he hit a home run and all that and like it was great but like the dude is just a walking hazard sometimes. And so I think what the twins are doing is trying to protect him from himself. You know, before the season started, they signed him to a seven year, a hundred million dollar deal. Okay. Like they want to see him out there. And if he's going to do, you know, the the first time he got hurt this season, he was doing a routine thing, sliding in the second base and he hurt himself. Like, it's just it's just weird with him in that regard. But you want to see him out there, and I think fans should temper themselves because I know like he's an electric player. When he's out there, he's producing at a high level, and you want to see him as much as possible. But what I think you've seen is that him playing often means that he's going to be dealing with some nagging injuries. He's going to be dealing with some injuries that may cost him some games, and I think – if they're going to just have him on low management, there are 162 games in the season. If you're saying that he's going to play 100 and then, you know, you guys are in playoff contention and you guys have him for the playoff stretch, I think you take that 10 times out of 10. So I think they have shown that they have a little bit of the depth to be able to rest him, you know, every, every so often and and still be able to win these games like they should. They, they got, you know, Gary Sanchez, I think his baddest, is maybe starting to to wake up a little bit. You got, you know, Carlos Correa gonna be coming back and he's expected to be a, a key force for that lineup. And so I think you have the the weaponry to be able to overcome those few games that you do not have buck. But then when he's out there, you're you're seeing he's producing like you haven't seen before. Um and so I think That's fine with me. I'm good with the load management as long as it preserves him throughout the whole
0: season. Buxton's only played a hundred or more games in one of his eight seasons. And even exactly. the last five seasons, the most he's ever played in the last five seasons is 87 games. So no question, the twins are such a better team with him than without. In fact, this year they're 15 and eight when he plays, they're five and seven when he doesn't. The percentage since 2017, they win 59% of their games with him in the lineup, nearly a 600% winning percentage. Unbelievable. 46% when he's not in the lineup. But clearly something needed to change a new approach needed to take place with the twins training staff, the front office, the coaching, everybody and say, all right, it's been too long. It's been too much. We got to change the game plan and mindset about who and what this guy is.
1: And and what's interesting too, is, you know, he signed the seven year, $100 million deal before the season. But like, that's a bargain considering the Mm. production that this guy has. Like, they got him for a bargain. If he's healthy, like he's pushing, yeah, he's pushing well maybe, over two fifty. Not like, a he's,
0: question. Yeah.
1: He's he's a two hundred plus million dollar player if he's healthy. And they know that. And so like they're they're kind of getting him for a bargain, but it's just kind of like, look, you're being paid for your service. And so that's the that's the thing. And so look, if you gotta preserve them, preserve them. But that helps keep them out there. And that's what I think continues to electrify fans.
0: I, mean, I don't know if you saw this one. The Cincinnati Reds pitch oh a no-hitter. They don't allow one hit and find a way to lose 1-0 to zero to the Pirates. The Pirates oh score their one and only run after three walks in the eighth and scoring on a ground out, and there's your ball game. What does it mean when analyzing this loss to some of the worst losses in MLB history and now it's becoming a lost season for the Reds?
1: So, you know, I used to cover the Reds the last right. 4 years mm-hmm. and uh I was there for probably some of the best seasons that they've had in a while. Um it was just a couple seasons, but <laughs> what what was what's interesting is is they have kind of put their season into the tank mm-hmm. and What is tough is, you know, they have elevated Hunter Green to the starting uh, rotation. And what's tough for a young player like that is you're going up and you're taking your lumps. And what you've seen, I think it was 118 pitches through seven and a third. And they asked them after, I'm going to pull it up. Um, People are saying, you know, Hunter Green is going to be great. Mm -hmm. Embarrassing, sure, this is from The Athletic. Embarrassing, sure, but after the Chuckles pass, Hunter Green's dominance is what really matters in the Reds' no-hit loss.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Hunter Green no-hit the Pirates in his time in the game yesterday. And that was exciting. I mean, that let the Reds know that your future is bright. But what you don't want to do is squander a talent like this, and he's pitching these games like this to no win. Like, Mm. you pitch good enough like that, you should have a win under your belt. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't. And I think the Reds are doing him a disservice. I think they're trying to help themselves, you know, when they put him out there, you know, to try to win, but they're not. I mean that's pretty embarrassing when you talk about a one zero loss and you you don't even allow a hit for the other team like you can't get this guy not not a one run like not any run support after he goes out and does that for you and he was gassed he was tired I mean he gave it all that he had this guy had Tommy John surgery he he throws over a hundred miles an hour like and and, and you're you're not even able to get them a, a run on the board like that against the pirates. Yeah.
0: Like against I guess the
1: pirates like, are you, are you, I, what is going on? Like I, it, it's, it's crazy because like the Reds have picked it up a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, they haven't been as terrible and that's been kind of encouraging from a, a Cincinnati fan standpoint, but no more demoralizing than something like that and no more evident than the state of the franchise at that at this point that something like that happens.
0: Stats sometimes lie. They don't always tell the whole story for sure, mm-hmm. but I mean, these guys make their living off their wins and losses, their ERA, yeah. their WHIP, right? And when he goes and tries to sign that big monster contract, and you're looking at it and say, "Well, you know, I mean, he didn't have a ton of win." That's not my fault, man. That's unfair. For how That's like well Jacob he's Degrom performing. with the men. Yes, exactly? Yep, yep. It's just not fair, and you're doing him a huge disservice when it comes time again for him to get paid, which he should. 162 games are played. If you can pull out one game and just show a synopsis of the red season, you got to pull out this game and say, this is basically all you need to know is our season basically in a nutshell came down to games like these. You lose one to zero and don't allow a hit. Unbelievable. Uh, Last one. What does it mean with Reggie? With the draft now concluded, ESPN's latest Insider article breaks down every NFL team's biggest roster weakness still remaining. For the Vikings, Derek Klassen highlighted the tight end position being the team's biggest soft spot with Irv Smith Jr.'s injury concerns and lack of depth behind him. What does Mm -hmm. it mean for the amount of pressure now on Irv Smith after failing to address the position early in the draft and just how much trouble is the offense in if and when Smith loses significant time again with another injury?
1: So you, you look at where Kevin O'Connell came from and, mm-hmm. you know, he had Tyler Higby mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they pretty much use the tight ends pretty productively with the Rams. And mm-hmm. so I think what is cool for Irv Smith is if he can stay healthy, like he should have a pretty big year. Where they don't have that luxury anymore is if Irv Smith goes down, they don't have a guy like Tyler Conklin to be able to go out there and produce at a similar level. Like Tyler Conklin was a luxury last year. They don't have him anymore. I'm looking at their depth and, you know, you're looking at guys like Ben Ellefson, who Hmm. really hasn't played. Uh, They signed Johnny Munt who, you know, came over from the Rams, but I think he's more so like a a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Last year he had one reception for nine yards. I don't know if, if you're if you're counting on anyone outside of of Irv Smith because like all the other guys are largely improving. What I think you're going to see is a lot of multiple receiver sets and, you know, spreading it out to those guys. And maybe you don't have, you know, multiple tight end sets. And maybe, you know, maybe you you kind of, you know, make up for the lack of tight end depth, you know, with that. Um, but what I will pose, there's a guy who's just been kind of hanging out at different sporting events. Mm. Just been kind of seeing wow. around. you're
0: not. Oh. Here or Are there. you saying what I think you're saying?
1: And his name is Kyle Rudolph. Ooh. And he's available. And he knows Minnesota. He knows the Vikings. And he's still a productive player. And so I think that if they can't, do anything with with Irv as far as like getting depth behind him there's a guy who maybe you can try to come to some sort of deal with maybe during training camp or or something like that to get him into the fold and I think he will be open to that and so maybe I mean what kind of depth would that add a guy like Kyle Rudolph bringing him into the fold to To kind of not even spell but to compliment Irv Smith because really too without Irv like they don't have a lot of veteran depth Nothing. either
0: they got nobody in yeah.
1: the tight end room and so that is something that is intriguing and I, I've been thinking about that for a while especially as I continue to see Kyle Rudolph he's been at wild games he was at the Timberwolves playoff games like You're just like, huh? What's what's Kyle doing? Hanging out, hanging out with us, you know? Uh, Okay, all
0: right, I see i know he's got a, a still got a house a home here in minnesota he was drafted by the vikings in the second round of 2012 spent mm-hmm. his whole career here besides the last two years stint with the giants he's not one of these guys that hopped around the journeyman from you know seven to eight to nine different teams he is a minnesota viking at heart and yeah. he'll tell you the same thing he played the last two years because of salary cap and things like that in new york but you mentioned it. He's been hanging around Minnesota all offseason. He's still got the home. He raised his family here, his wife and kids. There's a serious connection. He's got deep roots in the community, tons mm-hmm. of big community service guy. At minimum, they need depth, if not a starter. And I think when you look at maybe what O'Connell wants to do, we know he's going to run the 11 personnel a lot more, which means more receivers. Mm-hmm. If Irv Smith's not out there, there's other options. I mean, you can go more receivers. You can split out some of these running backs as well. All of a sudden, there's a stable of great, four great running backs the Vikings have after they drafted Ty Chandler from North Carolina. You got Kenny Nawangu, special teams ace. He blew up last year, not to mention your starters, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. So there's options, other options outside of Irvin. The passing game, Kevin O'Connell will get creative, but when it comes to just tight end depth, flat out, if Irv Smith goes down, you're in trouble because teams will find ways to create mismatches and force you when they know you have no threat. There's no posed threat at all at tight end. So bringing in Kyle Rudolph, wow, what a great idea. Hadn't thought about that yet, but you're right. You connect the dots, man. He's been hanging around Minnesota. I'm sure he would love to spend his last year or two in the NFL back in purple in Minnesota. Uh, hey, we'll have to keep tabs hey,
1: look on that. At- you look at some of the other available options too. Is not a bad, not a bad crop of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Croft, yeah. uh, Eric Ebron, Blake Jarwin, Jimmy Graham, actually, all still available uh, Rock at the tight end. Kid. Let's oh, go, nah. bring them
0: home. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we're done, but we're no. not doing that. He shit. was here. He was yeah. here last
1: week, but uh at, at Hopkins, but for a different, different thing. He was doing basketball stuff last week. Okay. But yeah. I think if he comes back at all, it'll be with the Bucks again, with this guy, Tommy. No, but, no. Yeah, he might be done. He might not, but I I can't see him coming. To Minnesota no no
0: chance no chance but again though a, a handful of good options there they did yeah. use a late round flyer I think a fifth or sixth round pick last year on SMU tight end Zach Davidson raw but man he's got that Gronk size six foot seven and can run with some speed so there's a they have plans for him but, but again though in this offense they're not gonna utilize the tight end a ton but when you do you need somebody there and if Irv Smith's not healthy Boy, they could be in some big trouble. All right, Reggie, you survived the gauntlet. We're back here tomorrow breaking down the Twins' first game with the A's and plenty more. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at TV and on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out.
1: Be blessed. Spread love this week.
0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.